Welcome to episode 30 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, lovely brain boxes. How are you doing? Welcome to AI.Cooking, episode 30. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so excited. We're three episodes away from the big boy. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the first half of May 2022 and AI Knowledge Corner. Just trying to rack my brains to see if I feel like there's anything to insert here. Personal news about me. Went away for a night in Brighton with the missus. That was nice. Drunk lots, at lots. Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I'm very, I'm very slow with the podcasting 2.0 thing. I've got the Raspberry Pis and the keyboards and the internet connection. And I've actually got time as well where I could try and implement it. The only thing that's stopping me is is the the fact that I don't have the required knowledge to to do such a thing. Um, but I'll get it done, and when I do get it done, wonderful things will happen to all of us together. The top news item is Google's subsidiary DeepMind is reporting via blog post entitled. Tackling multiple tasks with a single visual language model. Quote, One key aspect of intelligence is the ability to quickly learn how to perform a new task when given a brief instruction. For instance, a child may recognise real animals at the zoo after seeing a few pictures of the animals in a book despite differences between the two. But for a typical visual model to learn a new task, it must be trained on tens of thousands of examples specifically labelled for that task. If the goal is to count and identify animals in an image, as in three zebras, one would have to collect thousands of images and annotate each image with their quantity and species. This process is inefficient, expensive and resource intensive, requiring large amounts of annotated data and the need to train a new model each time it's confronted with a new task. As part of DeepMind's mission to solve intelligence, we've explored whether an alternative model could make this process easier and more efficient, given only limited task-specific information. Today, in the preprint of our paper, we introduce Flamingo a single visual language model, or VLM, that sets a new state-of-the-art in few-shot learning on a wide range of open-ended multimodal tasks. This means Flamingo can tackle a number of difficult problems with just a handful of task-specific examples in a few shots, without any additional training required. Flamingo's simple interface makes this possible, taking as input a prompt consisting of interleaved images, videos, and text, and then output associated language. 
End quote. So, this is the part of the, the story when the human input becomes less important due to the technology of the artificial intelligence. So, nice. Nice that we are progressing fast enough to see it within a few short shows. This is good, I think, isn't it? I don't know. In other news, Joanna Stern, the full-time employee of the Wall Street Journal, has reviewed Amazon's Astro Home Robot. Excerpt from her review, quote, Amazon's list of Astro's talents is overwhelmingly long, but at home the robot doesn't do anything particularly valuable. I take that back. It's very good at stirring up powerful emotions of love and hate. How do I know? Astro moved in with my family, two kids, two mums, one dog, a couple of weeks ago. You can't buy the $1,000 robot, at least not until Amazon permits you. But you wouldn't want to buy it, at least not yet. Our adventures with Astro, in its earliest days, showed me a world where computers can be relatable, proactive helpers. End quote. Apart from home monitoring, this robot can bring booze to you. Quote, Customizable with compatible products, Astro comes with a detachable cup holder and can carry other items sold separately, like a Ziploc container, the Omron blood pressure monitor, and a Furbo dog camera that tosses treats to your pet. Adapter required. End quote. <laughs> This is hilarious. <laughs> our, our commentary. Amazon was the first to market with smart speakers, and Amazon Echo smart speakers to this day are very popular. So it's only natural that Amazon could be the first to deliver mass market home robots too. Yeah, it, this is good, because we're getting to that stage where Elon's Optimus and Amazon's Astro can viably be put together in a gladiatorial combat-like environment and we can see who wins. I'm betting on the old Optimus. That's what I would say. I'd put my money down on Optimus. Wait, no, why am I doing that? That's a terrible decision. Take it back. Astro, Astro all the way. Thirdly, Twitter user at Miss Banana. That is MS. B-A-N-A-N-A-A-N-N-A is an online sex worker who used artificial intelligence to generate images from Harry Potter novels. BuzzFeed is reporting, quote, I'm sure all of us have had a conversation with someone who loves to point out the differences between a book and its movie counterpart. Recently, Melbourne content creator... Anna, a.k.a. Miss Banana Anna, I get it now, undertook one of the greatest tasks, using AI to bring Harry Potter characters to life based on their original description in the novels. Oh, that is actually quite interesting. I originally wanted to create a plainer, more accurate book version of Hermione. Anna told BuzzFeed when discussing her inspiration behind the series of photos... I always thought Emma Watson was too pretty, as Hermione was never described as attractive. 
and she was missing her signature buck teeth and bushy hair. End quote. Well, that's left me in a bit of a spin, just because when I was younger, I did read all the Harry Potter books, and then I was actually in one of the Harry Potter movies, the third one, the best one, obviously, um, and I did actually meet Emma Watson, and I did actually ask her out on a date, and she did actually decline me. So um, I did bump into her in a nightclub many years later, and she didn't remember me and wasn't very interested in what I had to say. <laughs> Uh, but if she was bushy-haired and buck-teeth, I'm pretty sure she'd have taken up your, your, your Gregory William Forsyth Foreman here on his offer. And we could have had little famous wizardy babies by now. But alas, I found another wonderful wife who is equally, if not much more beautiful and has provided me with many, many hours of wonderful entertainment in between other things with kids involved all sorts of stuff family life it's all good that's cool though i might, I might show her those pictures but it's a bit weird though i'm oh, sorry to go on about this because online sex worker miss banana anna <laughs> is using descriptions of children <laughs> you see where this is going in a book <laughs> to create images no it's fine elon owns twitter now so it's all good it's all anything goes in olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking, but now heaven knows on Twitter anything goes. I might do that. That's a good little song. Right. <clears throat> Fourthly, New York Times has published new article entitled Which Animal Viruses Could Infect People? Ooh, computers are racing to find out. Excerpt from this article, quote, Machine learning is known for its ability to spot fraudulent credit charges or recognise faces. Now researchers are sticking the technology on viruses. Colin Carlson, a biologist at Georgetown University, has started to worry about mousepox. The virus, discovered in 1930, spreads among mice, killing them with ruthless efficiency. But scientists have never considered it a potential threat to humans. Now Dr. Carlson, his colleagues and their computers aren't so sure. Using a technique known as machine learning, oh, I wonder what that is, the researchers have spent the past few years programming computers to teach themselves about viruses that can infect human cells in the laboratory. Sorry, I did that. The computers have combed through vast amounts of information about the biology and ecology of the animal hosts of those viruses as well as the genomes and other features of the viruses themselves. Over time, the computers came to recognise certain factors that would predict whether a virus has the potential to spill over into humans. <gasps> End quote. Well, sorry about that. Had to get called away to work um, by my lovely wife there, as you could possibly hear in the background, shouting, Greg! <laughs> kind of used to that sort of stuff. Right, where were we? So, in other words, 
Machine learning, one of the most popular technologies of artificial intelligence, can help mankind to predict next pandemic. Maybe even prevent it. Number five! Baidu, Pony.ai, approved for robo-taxi services in Beijing. Writers. Chinese tech group Baidu Incorporated and self-driving startup Pony.ai have won approval to launch paid driverless robo-taxi services that will see the firms deploy not more than 100 vehicles in an area in China's capital, Beijing. The state-backed Beijing Daily Newspaper reported on the approvals on Thursday, citing a ceremony held by the Beijing Economic and Technological Development Zone, where the 60-square-kilometre-large area, 23 square miles, is located. Baidu said in a statement that this would be its Apollo Go service's first commercial deployment on open roads. Customers will be able to hail one of the daily service's 67 cars at more than 600 pick-up and drop-off points in both commercial and residential areas, it said. It will charge fares similar to the level of premium ride-hailing services in China, a Baidu spokesperson added. Pony.ai, backed by Toyota Motor Corporation, also confirmed that it had received the approval for its Xiaoma Jingxing service from Beijing on its official Weibo account. Ah, oh, there you go. Those are Chinese people over there. Look out. Because the AI is loose on your streets. So uh, it's just one other thing that China and California have got in common. In other news, sixthly news in fact, the Wall Street Journal has reported about AI in new article entitled How Hospitals Are Using AI to Save Lives. Excerpt. Emergency rooms and ICUs are turning to artificial intelligence to identify and treat patients who are most at risk. An algorithm may hold the key to saving your life in the emergency room. Hospitals are making a bet that artificial intelligence can help identify and treat patients at highest risk in their ERs, inpatient wards and intensive care units for dangers including the deadly infection sepsis and an impending cardiac arrest or stroke. Our commentary. Since the population is ageing rapidly, only AI can help doctors to face this challenge. Yeah, yeah, can we put a, a cloak on this AI or some sort of pants? Super AI. Oh, we've already got that, haven't we? Blimey. Seven! In previous episodes, we were reporting about transformers in machine learning and their success in artificial intelligence industry is continuing. In an article entitled Vision Transformer for Small Size Datasets, the following researchers, Xiong Hun Li, Xiang Hyang Li, Biang Chao Song, are reporting that their transformer is beating neural networks, quote from abstract of their paper. Recently, the Vision Transformer, or VIT, 
which applied the transformer structure to the image classification task, has outperformed convolutional neural networks. However, the high performance of the VIT results from pre-training using a large size dataset such as JFT300M and its dependence on large dataset is interpreted as due to low locality inductive bias. This paper proposes shifted patch tokenization or SPT and locality self-attention or LSA which effectively solve the lack of locality inductive bias and enable it to learn from scratch even on small size datasets. Moreover, SPT and LSA are generic and effective add-on modules that are easily applicable to various VITs. Experimental results show that when both SPT and LSA were applied to the VITs, the performance improved by an average of 2.96% in TinyImageNet, which is a representative small-size dataset. Especially, Swin Transformer achieved an overwhelming performance improvement of 4.08% thanks to the proposed SPT and LSA. End quote. Aha! Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, very good. Interesting. Moving on. Number eight. New paper entitled Planting Undetectable Backdoors in Machine Learning Models has been published. <gasps> Undetectable backdoors is never a good thing, is it? Or is it? Listen further to find out. Abstract. Given the computational cost and technical exp... Given the computational cost and technical expertise required to train machine learning models, users may delegate the task of learning to a service provider. Delegation of learning has clear benefits, and at the same time raises serious concerns of trust. This work studies possible abuses of power by untrusted learners. We show how a malicious learner can plant an undetectable backdoor into a classifier. On the surface, such a backdoored classifier behaves normally, but in reality, the learner maintains a mechanism for changing the classification of any input, with only a slight perturbation. Importantly, without the appropriate backdoor key, the mechanism is hidden and cannot be detected by any computationally bounded observer. We demonstrate two frameworks for planting undetectable backdoors with incomparable guarantees. First, we show how to plant a backdoor in any model using digital signature schemes. The construction guarantees that given query access to the original model and the backdoored version, it is computationally infeasible to find even a single input where they differ. This property implies that the backdoored model has generalization error comparable with the original model. Moreover, even if the distinguisher can request backdoored inputs of its choice, they cannot backdoor a new input a property we call non-replicability. Second, we demonstrate how to insert undetectable backdoors in models trained using the Random Fourier Features or RFF learning paradigm. In this construction, 
undetectability holds against powerful white box distinguishes. Given a complete description of the network and the training data, no efficient distinguisher can guess whether the model is clean or contains a backdoor. The backdooring algorithm executes the RFF algorithm faithfully on the given training data, tampering only with its random coins. We prove this strong guarantee under the hardness of the continuous learning with errors problem. We show a similar white box, undetectable backdoor for random RELU networks based on the hardness of sparse PCA. Our construction of undetectable backdoors also sheds light on the related issue of robustness to adversarial examples. In particular, by constructing undetectable backdoor for an adversarially robust learning algorithm, we can produce a classifier that is indistinguishable from robust classifier, but where every input has an adversarial example. In this way, the existence of undetectable backdoors represents a significant theoretical roadblock to certifying adversarial robustness. Number 9. MIT Technology Review Reports Artificial intelligence is creating a new colonial world order. Oh, a new, new, new world order? Oh. An MIT technology review series investigates how AI is enriching a powerful few by dispossessing communities that have been dispossessed before. What? The same communities that were dispossessed before is now being dispossessed again? We must read on. This story is the introduction to MIT Technology Review's series on AI colonialism. AI colonialism. Where's my bell? Which was supported by the MIT Knight Science Journalism Fellowship Program and the Pulitzer Center. You can read part one here. My husband and I love to eat and to learn about history. So, shortly after we married, we chose to honeymoon along the southern coast of Spain. Bad podcaster not having his phone on silent. The region, historically ruled by Greeks, Romans, Muslims and Christians in turn, is famed for its stunning architecture and rich fusion of cuisines. Little did I know how much this personal trip would intersect with my reporting. Over the last few years, an increasing number of scholars have argued that the impact of AI is repeating the patterns of colonial history. <gasps> European colonialism, they say, was characterised by the violent capture of land, extraction of resources, and exploitation of people. For example, through slavery, for the economic enrichment of the conquering country. While it would diminish the depth of past traumas to say that AI industry is repeating this violence today, it is now using other, more insidious means to enrich the wealthy and powerful at the great expense of the poor. Yeah, that's kind of the MO, the modus operandi of the wealthy ensconced elites. They've been doing that for as long as we've been able to watch them do it, I suppose. And 
don't think that's going to end anytime soon. Not me personally. Although I will say that artificial intelligence is perhaps the only foreseeable chance I can fathom that wider humanity might stand up against these small 1% elites, the 0.001%. I'm talking about, you know, your, your, your multi-billionaires. And, well, there's not many of them, you know, there's not that many of them, is there? So AI could actually decide, hey, you rich folk, you look tastier than the poor folk because of your rich habits, eating and all that sort of stuff. So it could actually help cannibalize the lower classes it's mean to say like the more impoverished communities you know it could do that because it might actually see the elites as a threat rather than as a partner or or some some group to work alongside now saying the elites is balling them all into one rich maelstrom of meanness obviously they're not all pulling in the same direction um, they, who are they, you know? That's just something we've got to deal with, isn't it? But it's interesting, and it's good that the writing team over at AI.Cooking is keeping a keen eye, a good, close watch on all of these developments. I'm sure we'll bring you more in the future. Double figures with number 10. In other news, Bear. Berkeley Artificial Intelligence Research Lab is reporting. Offline RL made easier. No TD learning. Advantage reweighting or transformers. Offline reinforcement learning or RL is conventionally approached using value-based methods based on temporal difference or TD learning. However, Many recent algorithms reframe RL as a supervised learning problem. These algorithms learn conditional policies by conditioning on goal states, reward to go, or language descriptions of the task. We find the simplicity of these methods quite appealing. If supervised learning is enough to solve RL problems, then offline RL could become widely accessible and relatively easy to implement. Whereas TD learning must delicately balance an actor policy with an ensemble of critics, these supervised learning methods train just one conditional policy and nothing else. What's good with that? You want to train all the stuff. One and a one, that is number 11, Legs 11, my favourite EP from uh, one of my favourite bands, The Libertines. New article in Nature magazine entitled, How Language Generation AIs Could Transform Science, is reporting, quote, Shobita Parthasarathi warns that software designed to summarize, translate, and write like humans might exacerbate distrust in science. Machine learning algorithms that generate fluent language from vast amounts of text could change how science is done, but not necessarily for the better, says Shobita Parthasarathi, a specialist in the governance of emerging technologies at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. In a report published on the 27th of April, 
Parthasarathi and other researchers try to anticipate societal impacts of emerging artificial intelligence technologies called large language models, or LLMs. These can churn out astonishingly convincing prose, translate between languages, answer questions, and even produce code. The corporations building them, including Google, Facebook, and Microsoft, aim to use them in chatbots and search engines, and to summarize documents. At least one firm, Ort, in San Francisco, California, is trialing LLMs in research. It is building a tool called Elicit to answer questions using the scientific literature. LLMs are already controversial. They sometimes parrot errors or problematic stereotypes in the millions or billions of documents they're trained on. And researchers worry that streams of apparently authoritative, computer-generated language that's indistinguishable from human writing could cause distrust and confusion. Parthasarathi says that although LLMs could strengthen efforts to understand complex research, they could also deepen public scepticism of science. Yes, yes, I'd imagine that artificial intelligence is going to cause quite a bit of paranoia amongst the billions of people there are on the planet, on the, in the realm of where we are. Whatever it is. I'm sure you agree with me. Hell, if you don't, why don't you get in touch and say, hey, I don't agree with you. You can find me at gwff at noagendasocial.com. If you would prefer to email me, my email address is gwff777 at protonmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Ah, lastly... Number 12. A very good number, if I may say so. Ex-Googlers take a stab at building general intelligence that makes software do what you tell it. Adept AI, an artificial intelligence R&D lab founded by ex-Googlers who helped invent the popular transformer architecture, launched with the ambitious goal of teaching machines how to use every software tool and API in the world. The upstart raised $65 million from investors Sam Motomidi and LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman at the Greylock Venture Capital Fund, Lee Fixel at Edison and Root Ventures. Other angel investors include Andrei Karpathy, head of Tesla Autopilot, Jan Tallinn, an early Skype developer, and Chris Ray, a computer scientist at Stanford University and co-founder of Lattice Data, acquired by Apple in 2017. Oh, there is lots and lots of money in this AI stuff. <laughs> Can't wait to get my hands on some of that. Only joking. I've got everything I need. Every rich person I've ever met has been supremely bothered by something or some something other all the time. They've always had bigger problems. So, yeah. If you need it, you will get it. Finally, the Knowledge Corner! Digital Twin. A digital twin is a virtual representation that serves as the real-time digital counterpart of a physical object or process. 
though the concept originated earlier, attributed to Michael Greaves, then of the University of Michigan in 2002, the first practical definition of digital twin originated from NASA in an attempt to improve physical model simulation of spacecraft in 2010. Digital twins are the result of continual improvement in the creation of product design and engineering activities. Product drawings and engineering specifications progressed from handmade drafting to computer-aided drafting forward slash computer-aided design to model-based systems engineering. What is a digital twin? A digital twin is a virtual representation of an object or system that spans its life cycle, is updated from real-time data, and uses simulation, machine learning, and reasoning to help decision-making. What is the difference between IoT and digital twin? Digital twin involves the creation and building of a simulated environment, while IoT involves hundreds of millions of connected devices. Digital twin forms the basis of IoT, while IoT forms the basis of a union of physical objects within the virtual world. What types of digital twin are there? Generally speaking, there are three types of digital twin. Product, production and performance. The combination and integration of the three digital twins, as they evolve together, is known as the digital thread. Ooh, there's lots of show titles, potential show titles in this, this episode. I've got four so far, and I'm about to add a fifth, but we can only pick one. Aren't you excited to find out which one it is? Oh, you already know, because you're listening to the show. What is the value of digital twin? Digital twins can generate a veritable hotbed of activity for igniting innovation, as well as provide opportunities for improved productivity and increased enterprise value. They provide an organization's ecosystem of teams with data necessary to build next-generation products or manufacturing processes. But what is the difference between digital twin and simulation? While digital twin technology and simulation both use virtual model-based simulations, they are not the same. This is due to the fact that, despite being ideal for product design applications, the simulation capabilities of traditional computer-aided design and engineering, or CAD, CADK, CAD, CAE, offer less than digital twin, possible versus actual. A simulation replicates what could happen to a product, but a digital twin replicates what is happening to an actual specific product in the real world. Any changes to a simulation are limited to the imagination of a designer who needs to input any changes. However, because a digital twin offers real feedback, the designer can see if it is working as intended and then determine any improvements based on actual use. This translates from assets to other applications, such as for a manufacturing process, which can be assessed with real data to react to changing demands, requirements, or business conditions. The difference is that while a simulation is theoretical, a digital twin is specific and actual. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe. Come!
and stay dangerous. Beautiful brain boxes, you, you. Beautiful, beautiful brain boxes. <laughs> <laughs>